0: Hey, basketball fans. Before we get into the show, we just want to say thanks for your continual support of Around the Rim. And while you're catching up on women's basketball, you definitely need to check out the new podcast, First Take, Her Take, with WNBA's Ong Chene Agumike, alongside NFL reporter Kimberly Martin and host Charlie Arnold as they discuss the biggest topics in sports and more. That's right, we finally got the women debating what's happening in the world of sports. You can find that podcast in the same place that you find Around the Rim. And now onto the show. This is Around the Rim with China Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined, as always, by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Beyoncé Foster Brasby. If you want to know why I called Tarika that, you can uh, go back and listen to last week's podcast. But yeah, we are here with you with... (laughs) A great show lined up of conversation around women's college basketball. There's a lot happening there. WNBA free agency is ongoing. We are going to dedicate an episode to that for those of you that have asked. So uh, we will get into some free agency over the next couple of weeks in the WNBA. But first, Tarika, um there's some things going on around college basketball that we need to discuss and one of them is the Big Ten are they the real deal or not this podcast is going to be heavy Big Ten y'all know I have trust issues when it comes to that conference I'll get into that a little bit later when we have our Big Ten insiders on Christy Winter Scott and Lisa Byington we will also have junior from the Michigan Wolverines Nas Hillman I'm gonna say that again Nas Hillman, if you don't know that name, you better write it down somewhere. She's my pick for Big Ten Player of the Year so far. She scored 50 points on the road at Ohio State. And that number is the most by any NCAA player in Division I this season, the third most in Big Ten history. And she became the first NCAA women's basketball player with a 50-point, 15-rebound game since January 3, 2003. She was 20 for 30 from the field. So we need to learn a little bit more about Nas. Yeah. Because she should be on your national player of the list radar. And again, she is my favorite for Big Ten player of the year. Can't wait to talk to Nas. But Tariqa, first and foremost, what's on your mind? Well,
1: let's talk about what's on my mind as we head into the first quarter.
2: First quarter.
1: So LaChina, the first thing that comes to mind is the close calls that we had last week in a couple of games. More specifically, our number one, Louisville, and our number two, North Carolina State. I looked at the number one and the number two, and I was thinking this week we'd be headed in with a new number one and number two because Louisville was on the brink of dropping um, a game to Wake Forest, and then NC State is on the brink of dropping a game to uh, Virginia Tech and it was interesting because both of those teams are going to have to play their makeup game in this upcoming Big Monday so I'm just wondering you know what did you think of uh, both of those teams being on the verge and and what are you what are you looking forward to and and now seeing them match up coming up uh on Big Monday?
0: Well, first and foremost, let me just say that I think it's incredible that the ACC has two teams in the top five, and especially that they have the number one and number two teams, both undefeated. So someone is going to go down Mm -hmm. this Monday on ESPN2 for women's basketball, Big Monday. I have concerns for both of these teams coming in. Number one, Louisville did not just have a close loss to Wake Forest, excuse me, a close win to Wake Forest. They also had a tight game, a possession game against Miami at home. Mm -hmm. And there are a few things that stand out to me, okay, about Louisville in this recent stretch. Now they're the number one team. They're a very good team. and We've said that time and time again, but the topic is concerns, okay, for both teams. So Louisville was out rebounded by Wake Forest, which was a big factor in that game. They only scored 16 points in the third quarter Dana Evans made an incredible game-winning shot, and they had several plays down the stretch that helped them to to take down Wake Forest. Haley Van Lith, Kono actually had some good moments down the stretch, but at the end of the day, Louisville only scored 65 points. Now, this can be a very high-scoring team. We've seen that from them, right? So you want to credit Wake Forest for that. They didn't score, they didn't hit the 70-point mark against Syracuse either, okay, even though that was a more convincing win. Against Miami in the fourth quarter, Louisville shot 25% from the field. And the Cards escaped with a three-point win over Miami. So I have some concerns about their offense. You know, Kiana Smith suffered an ankle injury a few games back, so they shifted the starting lineup. I think that's kind of toyed with their offense. Elizabeth Balgoon, to me, is going to be the X-Factor in that matchup against NC State. She has been fantastic, both defensively and offensively, not gaudy numbers on offense, just smart, um, position, savvy basketball for for Balagoon. Dana Evans is going to Dana Evans. Um, But they do have two freshmen in Cochran and Van Lith. And so how those freshmen perform will be important. Now, Elizabeth Dixon had a big game against uh, Miami. And I think that was intentional by Jeff Walls, knowing that he's likely to face Elisa Kunain, Dixon 6'5", off of the bench, Cochran 6'3". So, and we'll get to Kunane in a minute, but whatever's going on with Louisville's offense, they got to figure it out. And it's more their half-court offense. Their transition is beautiful. Um, they do need to do a better job on the glass. Last year, they had Jasmine Jones, and they had Kylie Shook, and Bianca Dunham, and Y'all seen Job, they had some fearless rebounders. They can't let that be an issue against NC State. So those are my concerns for Louisville coming in. But Jeff Walls is one of the best game planners. He can have his team ready. And this is going to be a big one. NC State is coming off a major layoff. I mean, they have been in quarantine for a while now um, and yeah. just played their first game against Virginia Tech, as you mentioned, Tarika, on Sunday. Now, what's encouraging about that game is that they did not have Elisa Kanane, their national player of the year candidate in the middle, 6'5", can shoot the three, does a little bit of everything. She's the centerpiece to everything they do. However, they had three 20-point scores. Kayla Jones, we know she is, to me, their most important player. Ja'Kia Brown-Turner, the sophomore, is having a sensational year. She had 23 points. Kai Crushfield had 20. That is what stood out to me is that Kai Crutchfield in the absence of Lisa Kunane, keeping in mind that Crutchfield was nursing an injury earlier on in the season, looks like she's back and they're going to need her or somebody to step up, especially if they don't have Kunane. But I think NC State, if everyone is at full tilt, wins this game. I do have NC State number one overall in my AP poll. Both teams are great. That's just how I see
1: it. It's also fair to note that if both of these teams remain number one and number two, going into next week's game, it's going to be the fourth time um, that the AP number one and number two teams when both are undefeated and conference opponents are meeting each other. So it's definitely going to be shaping up to be a good matchup. We also last week with China got an opportunity to see a rivalry continued after a long wait. We saw Connecticut head into Knoxville for the first time in 15 years. And I don't know about you, but like I was at, so I was at a restaurant and I had to fight some folks because they kept trying to put the Dallas Mavericks game on. And I was like, you guys must not realize that Tennessee and UConn are playing right now. And it was a close matchup like I I was excited and I had to fight some folks like y'all leave the TV alone now um I want to know how impressed were you with UConn because there were a lot of questions coming into this game in regards to their toughness um their their how they've been tested how proven they've been sitting at the number three spot but having not really played any major players um, in the landscape of, of college basketball right now. So how impressed were, were you with them?
0: Well, first of all, I just wanna say, I felt the game was, was big, right? Like we wanted UConn Tennessee to feel big. It felt really big. So shout out to the ESPN crew because I just thought they did a fantastic job both in front and behind the camera of making that rivalry really feel like we, we needed it to, and also obviously credit to both programs.
3: I mean, I didn't come
0: away with a ton because I still need to see a bigger sample size, I think of Connecticut against some of the top teams. They're getting ready to play Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna play South Carolina. So I think I'll have a little bit more there, but something that stands out to me is that This was UConn's first win when trailing, entering the fourth quarter over the last two seasons. Now, one comment that I've made about UConn this year, people can feel however they want to about it, is that I feel like this is a more talented team. Now, when you look on paper, yes, you had Dangerfield, um, you know, you had Walker. And so I'm not saying that they don't have, you know, that they have those high ranked recruits and, you know, that type, they have over the hump talent. Right. This year. And I thought we saw that in the performance by Westbrook, who doesn't get enough credit for the three. She hit down the stretch going back to Tennessee, Kristen Williams, who yes, she needs to be more consistent, but she can be a big time player. And yes, she was on the team next last year as well, but you add that to Paige Beckers. And to me, you just have depth in your winnability in the fourth quarter in a situation when you're on the road, like what we saw at Tennessee. So that was really what stood out to me was the, the big time plays. That's what you're used to seeing from UConn teams. Is this like UConn of old, like Brianna Stewart era? No, we are, we are UConn is kind of recreating themselves a little bit in terms of what the standard will be now. It's always going to be a win a national championship, but they've, they've got to get back to that form. And I think this is the team that's mentally tough enough to win a game after trailing in the fourth quarter. And they did that at Tennessee.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's just one more thing that was on my, on my list, on my radar of hmm um, Stanford. What's going on with them, LaChina? Like I like they're coming off back-to-back losses since falling from the number one seed in their loss to Colorado. They recently just lost again to UCLA. Um, We always have confidence in any team that Tara Vanderveer is coaching, but should we be worried? Is it time to push the panic button?
0: First of all, Stanford lost to Colorado. We gave them their props, right? UCLA, UCLA is a really good team. So the fact that Stanford lost to UCLA, it's not a shocker. Corey Close has an incredible team mm-hmm. with Onion I mean, they, they will be contenders for the national championship. Charisma Osborne is one of my new favorite players. Um, You know, she had, I think, 24 points um, in the fourth straight 20-point game for her against Stanford. But they did rebound against USC. Mm -hmm. And the biggest news is that they will be back in their home arena. And to me, that's the biggest thing for Stanford because they're tired. I mean, Santa Clara County had a restriction in place where Basically, there were no contact sports allowed because of the coronavirus. So, <clears throat> Stanford men and women's basketball teams have been playing their home games in Santa Cruz um, all season. And the ban was just lifted last week. So, they will be able to play back at their home arena. I can't imagine the mental and physical toll that takes on you, you know, just not being in familiar territory and being expected to maintain you know, all a season or their number one ranking, which they were at one point without even playing at home. Like that sounds crazy. So I'm excited for them to be going back home. And I think that's going to make the difference in their confidence. I'm not worried at all. Tar Vanderveer has got a, a great team and they'll be national championship contenders as well.
1: Well that's all I got on my um on my on my list, with China. Uh anything else before we get ready to go into the big ten.
0: I did want to just give a shout out to Aaliyah Boston, who's the first player in South Carolina history with multiple triple doubles in her career and the first to do it in an SEC game. Um, she's the third SEC player with two career triple doubles joining LSU's Cornelia Gaden and Alabama's Nisa Johnson. Um, no player has three triple doubles. So now she's on the watch for that, but Boston is one of eight division one players with a triple double this season um she's doing her thing she's averaging 15 points 11 rebounds three blocks Rebecca had a great um she had a great breakdown about Boston's defense um on Twitter that you should check out but just wanted to send her some love because she has been a monster and she's definitely
1: gonna be in that national player of the year conversation you got
0: oh she she definitely is and and I understand she (laughs) to me and I'll say this to anyone she Took her a while to get going to this level. Not to say that she was ever a bad player or wasn't good, but what we've seen from her in the last couple weeks, give her some credit for her elevating her game to another level, to historic level based on the numbers that we just read. Well, we will certainly keep our eyes
1: out for Aaliyah, but now let's head into the second quarter where I'm quite sure you'll be arguing with Lisa and Christy about the Big Ten.
2: Second quarter, inside the huddle.
0: Well, basketball fans, you know whenever I mention the name Christy Winter scott and Lisa Byington, the chances are that we are going to talk a little bit about Big Ten women's basketball. And that's exactly what we are going to do right now, today. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast, that I have trust issues and a rather non-committal attitude when it comes to the Big Ten. And I'm hoping that lisa and christy can help me with that guys you know because i'm trying to be on the i'm trying to be on board i'm trying to jump two feet in on this movement by the big 10 because the bottom line is the league has been very impressive to start this season okay so just a couple of things really quickly um there are a number of big 10 teams that have either been ranked or receiving votes this season i mean the number is incredible including five teams that are ranked uh, this week from the league. Now, five teams in the top 25 is second in the country to the SEC that has six ranked teams um, to lead all conferences. But uh, with five teams in the top 20 and eight in the top 40 of the NCAA rankings, um, and that's the net rankings for you guys um, that are wondering, the Big 10 is really thriving. Now, a couple of things. The reason why I have trust issues, <clears throat> the Big 10 has averaged five teams in the NCAA tournament over the last five tournament seasons. So that obviously excludes last year where there was no NCAA tournament. That is the fourth most amongst um, all of the com- conferences in division one women's basketball. Now, <laughs> there are four teams that have been awarded the top four seed during that time in the NCAA tournament and did not make it out of the first or second round of the championship. Maryland was a number three in 2019. Ohio State was a number three seed in 2018. Maryland again was a number two seed in 2016 and Michigan State was a number four in 2016. None of those teams made it out of the first or second round, okay? Keep reading here (laughs) and The only two teams that did were Iowa in 2019 and Maryland in 2015 now I also have a long list here where i'm I'm not going to get into all of this. But basically when it comes to final four appearances, the big 10 has been absent in recent years and every other major conference has had at least one team. To make it to the final four in the last five years, so with all the talent in the world all the ncaa seeds which that's what i wasn't going to get into the number of uh my goodness teams (laughs) you've had in the ncaa tournament i know i had to make my case here because now you're going to make your case guys so let's start with my questions now maryland i really don't have a lot of question marks when it comes to maryland to be quite honest like I, Maryland, to me, is the team that has been the bar in the Big Ten. I know there were some years, you know, Ohio State had snuck in, but I don't have concerns about Maryland, even coming off of the loss to Ohio State. The team that I think is the best in the Big Ten this year that I also don't have any concerns with is Michigan. Now, when at 100%, I feel like they're the best team in the league. They are without Leah Brown. Or they were without her in their lost Ohio State, the Nebraska transfer, who's a big piece of their success um nas hillman who you will hear from on this podcast is a one of the front runners for national player of the year Mm -hmm. christy what Mm -hmm. else should people know about michigan as we start to really comb through the big 10 and find out who's a contender and who's a pretender
3: Well, first of all, you know, the, the fact that you have all those receipts, I better come with it right now. So I think with with Michigan, I just think they have the, the experience and the balance. You know, when you're looking at Nas Hillman getting that big, gaudy 50-point game, she had 16 boards to go along with that. I mean, that's not all of who they are. A lot of teams across the country have that one pivotal player, and that's what their whole team centers around. The ball goes to and through them. But I think for Michigan, you can't say that, even though she had that explosion of offense in that game against Ohio State. I just think that they are just well-rounded. I think Kim Barnes-Rico has really prepared them well to be that balanced team around Nas Hillman, right? So who wants to be a post player and not have anyone to kick it out to? You have to have that. And I think that's what Michigan has been able to present. Um, this season in particular, and it's, it's just unfortunate right now, obviously, that they're in a pause um, right when they were picking up, even though they did uh, come off that loss to Ohio State and then didn't get to play their next game after that. But I just think that, you know, the chemistry and, and the experience piece, you can't really you can't really quantify that. And I think that is the difference maker for Michigan.
0: Yeah, Kim Bonsarico has done a great job with that team, but you bring up a, a good point with their program, entire athletic program, on pause uh, due to the new strain of COVID and just concerns, not everybody in the athletic department has it, but they're taking precautions. Lisa, how does that affect Michigan in your opinion as they're trying to make a push uh, through the the rest of the regular season? I mean, I'm just trying to get through your 20 minute monologue that you, that you just slammed the big 10
2: to begin with, and then never got us a chance to respond to all that. So I'm just trying to process all of those things. And first of all, trying to ask you, is the value of a conference always measured on what they do in the postseason? Like we're in January right now, and you're talking about what the big 10 did in the NCAA tournament, like the last two
0: or three years ago. I said four or five years, actually. Um, and you're right. Is it the marker for everyone? No. Is it the marker for me? Yes, because I have put myself out there. That's what this really comes down to. I have put myself out there going into the NCAA tournament on a number of occasions and put all my money behind some Big Ten teams and they have made me look bad. So yes, you. yes, it's personal.
2: Well, I mean, to tell you, like, Maryland was in the Final Four in 2015. So if you're going to start counting beyond that year, that's okay. But also I do think, and you know this too, it's also who you're matched up against in the NCAA tournament. And some of the best teams in the Big Ten have been matched up against the Oregons and the Yukons and and, and some of the best teams in the country. You know, they're, they're playing them in sometimes the second and the third round. So sometimes I feel like the Big Ten has gotten shortchanged a little bit. And how the NCAA tournament has has mapped out in terms of the matchups, but I just wanted to get that out there. So, <laughs> to talk about your your um, your question about Michigan, um, you know, I, I think that they've been playing their best basketball up to this point, point. and before they before they went on pause, they were going to get Leah Brown back, which was huge for them. I and mean, Leah Brown is the transfer from Nebraska, who I think is the the added or the missing piece that Michigan might not knew knew like knew that they were looking for but found her this year um she's been a leader she's been a three-point uh specialist um she's been that that added offensive factor that has added to Nas hillman so people can't focus on Nas hillman and she was about to come back actually the the day i think the day after that they announced that they're gonna have to put on a two-week pause um so leah brown had been unavailable for like you know the last three games for Michigan. So that was huge. So Michigan was, I think, thriving. They were gonna get, you know, maybe arguably their second best player back. And now they have to be on pause, not for the first time this season, but for the second time. And it's something that they're gonna have to deal with for round number two here of this season.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure if they are on like complete pause since I don't believe there was anyone in the tier one level in their program that um, test positive for COVID. So can they practice? I wasn't sure how that was going to work, but for now we will assume they will be in complete quarantine, which means Leah's ability to reconnect with the team and get that chemistry going. will have to wait a little bit. All right. So, all right. In all fairness, again, yes, Maryland and yes to Michigan. All right. The team that I really need some insight on is Ohio state. They just snapped number seven Maryland's 24-game Big Ten winning streak on Monday in Columbus. That was the fourth longest conference winning streak in Big Ten history. They also broke Iowa's 42-game home winning streak with an OT win back in January 13th. That was the second longest streak in conference history. Um, Before beating Maryland, they beat Michigan, who was undefeated. That's what we alluded to a moment ago. Um, I am one who has been shaky on Ohio State throughout this season, but as of recent, I've had no choice but to jump on the bandwagon, especially that win against Maryland without Aliyah Patty. True eye opener for me, Lisa. I'll start with you on this one. Is Ohio State the best team in the Big Ten? I'm still not ready
2: to give them that label. When you, like what you're talking about, trust levels and commitment levels, I'll use like a a dating analogy here. I I equate Ohio State to that significant other that's like a dinner and a movie, right? Like you have a very distinct plan for the night of what you're gonna do. And so that's kind of what Ohio State is. They have a very distinct plan. They don't try to do, um, anything beyond of, of what their, their talent is. So what they do have is two really good guards, I think, that don't get a lot of attention. And, and Chrissy can talk to this too. JC Sheldon and Madison Green, um, I think, are at playing at an elite level i think dorka Uhas gets a lot of the attention you know she averages a double double for ohio state but i'll tell you what jc sheldon is is arguably playing the best basketball out of anyone on the team and madison green could be one of the better two-way players in the big 10 and not many people know about who madison green is um she didn't shut down caitlin clark in the second half in iowa but she took on that defensive ability and that defensive responsibility in that game against Iowa. And I really believe that Madison Green was one of the reasons why Ohio State went into Iowa City and and upset them as well. And she was one of the reasons why they
3: they beat Maryland in the game that you were referencing with China. With with Lisa, um, I'm with her on that. Just, you know, with Sheldon and Green, I, I was just gonna say Madison Green. I mean, she had a fantastic game against Maryland. And when you're talking about high powered offense, I mean, five of the ranked teams in the top 25 in the Big Ten all average over 80 points a game. So when you're talking about a team like Maryland and a team like Ohio State that want to get up and down, that's what we love to see, right? That kind of exciting play. But when it comes down to which team is going to come out on top in that kind of a game is going to be about the defense. And Sheldon Green are the beginning of the, the head of the snake of the defense for Ohio State. And I think that They made a huge difference in that game. I think Maryland turned the ball over five times to start the game. And I think that really got them off kilter and out of rhythm. Um, Although, you know, they did get some threes down uh, by Benson in in the first half. She made five. But after that, you know, that changed. So the adjustments on the defensive side are made by Ohio State, and that has changed the game in a lot of the wins that they have had and the upsets with um, Ohio State and Michigan, um, I mean, Ohio State and Michigan game, and then the Iowa game, and then of course the Maryland game as well. So I just think when you're talking about Ohio State's offense, you have to also give their defense credit. And yes, Dorka Juhasz is gonna get the boards. Yes, she's gonna get a couple blocks in there, but let's talk about the perimeter pressure that's being applied and how that has changed the landscape for Ohio State in their wins.
0: I love that. And to your point, uh, to both your points, Madison Green did have 24 points, was nine for 15 from the field against Maryland, seven assists. That was her fifth career 20 point game. And I don't even know how many people have really had a chance to watch her play. So very impressive there. Um, um, but speaking of defense, that brings me to my next big 10 team, because according to statistics, this is the best team, in the big 10, as far as defensive field goal percentage. And that is Indiana who will be taking on Ohio state on Thursday. You guys calling that game? No, we don't have that one. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> it's probably, is it on, it's on ESPN? <laughs> we got
2: three really good games on Big Ten Network on Thursday.
0: But OK. All, not on that one. OK. Well, anyway, um, so they're taking on Ohio State on Thursday. Um, a matchup between two top 16 teams in Indiana. I can't necessarily figure out. Okay. Um, they out of the gates and Lisa and I had a long conversation about this early in the season. They didn't perform well against the athleticism of the sec out of conference, but in conference, and um, they are doing very well. I mean, they were picked preseason to win the big 10, but there are some times when they have underperformed, even going back to last season. And I understand culture Love Terry Moore and I've known her for years. I think she does a great job that team. And it seems like she's just about to hit to switch from being, you know, kind of that 10 ranked in the 15 to twenties So this could be a team at some point that's consistently ranked in the top 15. Long story short, they've let me down a couple of times this year and I'm concerned. Christy, help me out with with Indiana were we wrong in assuming that they would be preseason number one
3: or is this really the fourth best team in the Big Ten? Wow, I mean that's a great question and you always have to to give Terry Morin credit for the philosophy and the culture of the program because she demands that demands it and the players buy into that. And with that being said, I mean Allie Patberg, I mean Terry Morin has said this over and over again that how she goes is how the team goes and she has to be the engine for that team and if it's turning over and and not getting the 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 engine to run then you're going to have the issues and i think it it starts and stops with with ellie petberg and i think grace berger for as solid as she has been in terms of her consistent play i mean she had a triple double earlier this season i mean she can get the job done and she's another one of the players who i think rides under the radar in terms of being talked about enough. I mean, she is a quality kid who has strength and speed and her skill set is flat out great. And I just think with um, with what they brought back, I think that's why they earned the top spot in the preseason in the Big Ten. But you also have to back that up during the season. And I think, you know, there have been a couple of skids that they've taken off the road in that regard. But I don't think they're the the fourth best team, even though you know the standings are or whatever. But I just think the eyeball test, I think they're they're one of the better teams if they can stay consistent, and that starts again, like I said, with Ali Patberg and her performance night in and night out.
2: Are we talking about the Indiana team that's in tied for first place with Maryland right now in the conference? I mean, they're sitting at seven and one in conference play. Like, I just want to make sure that. We're not being like overly hard on the Indiana Hoosiers. They're nine and three overall. And, you know, three of those losses to a ranked Maryland team who's in first place in the Big Ten. LaChana, you talked about, you know, the the non conference teams that
0: they've taken on. I just want to make sure that (laughs) there was. Well, I mean, when you look at when I say fourth best team, which isn't a bad ranking, Michigan, Maryland and Ohio State are all ranked above them in the national rankings. So fourth isn't bad, but fourth is, right. is realistic. I, I also just want to make the point that
2: they are tied for first place in the Big Ten right now, so they. This have, is why
0: I said they've done a good job
2: in conference play. <laughs> and
0: people listening are. Wondering, she doesn't hear any of why the why good things. Start China go at each
2: other like this. It's all in good fun. We do this all the time, even we're not being. We should with do this more often. But actually. Uh, so to you know, because you have commitment issues, right? So with Indiana, I would compare them maybe to the getaway vacation. Maybe they could be just what you need, and you don't know it. <laughs> okay we can go with that analogy um you know i will say that they just picked up their first ranked win against northwestern and so they they do have in terms of the win category um i think they have more work to do there but let's not forget that jalen penn got hurt in that maryland game so she did not play the entire fourth quarter and that was a close game um and, and and like Christy had said, I, I think Grace Berger is actually an underrated player. Let's not forget, she's the only player in the country that has two triple doubles. So they have the pieces, they have the guard play. Christy's already talked about that. Allie Papper, Grace Berger, they have Mackenzie Holmes on the inside. They have post play. Um, I have mentioned Jalen Penn now is back after right. being injured. And so, you know, let's not shortchange Indiana. I think they've got bigger and better things to come here in the future.
0: Yes, and I will note that um, with that tied for first place, their wins in Big Ten include Minnesota, Illinois, Penn State, Wisconsin. China is such Virginia. a hater. She's such a hater. <laughs> we just got <laughs> to bring all the facts out.
2: Oh, are, we guys. Gonna, are we going to get to a team or a player or anything about the Big Ten where you're going to say, I, hey, I really like this
0: about the Big Ten? I or started I really like out that way. I started out that way. <laughs> um, so moving right along. Um, so okay, so we won't have enough time to get to Nebraska and Northwestern because I do want to get to the Player of the Year conversation. But really, really quickly, if I could get one note from you, Lisa, on Northwestern and one from you on
3: Christy on Nebraska, on where you feel like those teams will finish in the league. Uh, with Nebraska, I mean they have, I think, in the last week or two, turned the corner in terms of their confidence and the way that they've been able to play the game I think you know with Kate Kane having that huge double double and they had a couple of really great wins in conference play you can build on things like that I think they're a young team when it comes to players who have played together they have a couple pieces a lot like Maryland has like you know they have experience but they haven't had the experience together and I think that's what you're seeing um, come around for Nebraska so far and I think, they can, I think they can make a, a solid run to the middle of the conference the way they've been playing lately. Kate Kane is a National
0: Defensive Player of the Year on the watch list for the Naismith. Um, so congratulations to her on that. And Christy, um, excuse me, uh, Lisa, you're a Northwestern Wildcats.
2: Um, Northwestern, I, I, I still like them finishing um, around fifth or sixth maybe in the conference. I still like Maryland, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio State as kind of those top four teams. Northwestern, I just looked ahead to their schedule. They got a, a few tough opponents here coming up. So we'll really know who Northwestern is. When you talk about quality wins, they're still looking for that quality win this year. So my evaluation of them is, is kind of still up in the air, but I will say this, they have some of the best uh, guard play. They have some of the best pressure defense. Um, Veronica Burton, not Lindsey Pulliam, is playing as the best player for Northwestern this year. And it'll be interesting to see how much Lindsey Pulliam kind of picks up her scoring, maybe down the stretch. But if, if you're looking for one of the top defenders, you mentioned Kate Kane being on that list, so is Veronica Burton. And uh, if you're looking for great defensive play, in-your-face guard defensive play, Veronica Burton is the player to watch. Not only that, but she's also leading the team in scoring. So they are they're going to be led by their guards, and we'll see how good Northwestern will be here down the stretch.
0: You guys have definitely given me some things to think about regarding the Big Ten. I will say that numbers don't lie. Not only did I have all five teams that are currently ranked in the top 25 on my AP poll, I've also had Nebraska, Michigan State, and Rutgers ranked in my top 25 from the Big Ten, you'll be hard pressed to find a voter that's been more committed to the Big Ten than Lachina Robinson. Know, you should have started your podcast with that instead no. of the past NCAA tournament results. You gotta start, it? You gotta start it with the drama. You gotta start What's it because that's, that's, what, from? that's what trust Christy issues way, are. He was way too nice and not calling you out on that at the beginning. So I just had to call trust it- Trust issues are based on past interactions, boo. Okay, it's part of, <laughs> the definition of the term okay really quickly guys player of the year in the big 10 we've only got like one minute but what i wanted to just run by you guys is that um the midseason Wooden award list came out from the big 10 they had caitlin clark who let's not skip over iowa uh, because clark has been phenomenal one of the best players in the country nas hillman lindsey pulliam arela garantes who is one of my um possible sleepers for a top three pick in the WNBA draft lisa it may have been you that was campaigning for ashley awusu which i agree probably should have been on that list um anyone else that's not on our player of the year list from the big 10 and who's your selection thus far christy since you haven't really been talking as much as lisa
3: <laughs> no shade no shade to lisa uh, well well i don't have the receipts that you had early on, Uh, LaChina, I do have my pick as uh, player of the year in the Big 10 and that's Nas Hillman. And Lisa knows, like I have a hard time choosing because I can always find something great about each one of the candidates. (laughs) She knows that very well, but I just think the way Nas has been just dominant this year, especially in conference play, it's just been so impressive to watch. I don't think anyone's missing from the names that you listed there, but I'm going with Nas Hillman as player of the year. How about you, Lisa? I agree. Well,
2: yeah, well, you have trust issues with China. Christie definitely has decisive issues. And so it is, when I say it's, it is monumental for her in January to be able to be decisive about who the player of the year is like that is, that is something you got to write down on your calendar. But I agree. I think I think it's hard to argue against Nas Hillman. What I think is really great about the Big Ten is you have Nas Hillman and Caitlin Clark, two of the top um, candidates for Player of the Year, Conference Player of the Year, and they're two of the top scorers in the country. And then you have Ashley Awusu. I, I equate like Ashley Awusu to being um, like the older brother or the older sister who just kind of lets you. You know, she she. She out physicals you and outmatches you in so many different categories and kind of lets you play one on one to like get the lead and then all of a sudden she just takes over. Like I just feel like Ashley Owusu in every area of the game offensively could take over on any possession. Like that's how good um, I think she is. But Christy, you keep talking about these lechina receipts. Those are outdated receipts. Don't <laughs> give her credit for those. Those are outdated. they have expired. Those
0: receipts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, never go bad. Ask my mom. She still has a stack like this in the closet. Um, it has been so fun to debate. I mean, talk to you guys about the Big Ten. I always we love all having you guys. It was fun, right? I, I, Oh, God, this is the most fun I've had on the podcast this college basketball season, but it's only our second episode. I'll keep you posted. Love you <laughs> both to the moon and back. Thank you so much for your time. Go Big Ten. Let's take this into March and we'll have you back on and talk about all of the games that you've won in the NCAA tournament. Love How on you, Fred Thanks for having us on
1: third quarter scouting report
0: all right basketball fans uh tarika and i are honored to have a queen on the podcast now i didn't give her that title lebron james did um and we'll get into that in a moment but we have Nas hillman the junior from michigan joining our show and in case you have not heard uh Nas put up a 50 piece in a loss, that's the only bad part about that number, right, uh, to Ohio State on the road. So you go on the road to your rivalry school and you shoot 20 for 30 from the field. And Nas also grabbed 16 rebounds. And we have her here to talk to us about it. Welcome, Nas. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you became the first NCAA women's basketball player with a fifty-point. 15 rebound games since January 3rd, 2003. When were you born? 2000. <laughs> oh my goodness. See, this is just, this is incredible. That was South Carolina Jocelyn's pin. But let's go back to the days of little Nas. Okay. Take me back to when you first picked up basketball, how you started playing and what were your earliest influences?
4: Yeah, so... Um, I like to say I came from a basketball family, so I've always wanted to pick up a basketball um, since the early stages. I just wanted to be just like my mom, um, doing anything I can to, could to, to follow her footsteps. Um, but my first memories of like organized basketball was about fourth grade um, CYO, which is like a like a Catholic league for like uh, middle school. Um, I wouldn't say I was good at that, that time, <laughs> but I mean, I was playing basketball, trying to do anything to be like my family. Um, and my early influences was my parents, uh, specifically my mom, like I mentioned, just wanted to do anything I could to, to be her mini me. Um, so I'd say those were, those were my, my early memories.
0: Yes, your mom, Nishima, if I said that correctly, played at Vanderbilt. So you actually had a built-in example and role model of, what a great basketball player is what, what was your mom teaching you in the early days was she pushing you around taking you outside stealing the ball from you like what were those days like
4: uh it's actually funny like she rarely got on the court with me but um she was in there full a lot of the times <laughs> um after games and just like pushing me to be be my best and just really like not allowing me to have half, halfway do anything in life um of course but you know, just making sure I enjoyed the game, um, not just doing it because she did it, um, making sure that I was putting all my effort into, into it if I was going to do it. Um, a lot of conversations about rebounding, like that was that was my earliest moments, um, conversations with her, it was like rebounding. Points would come later, but like you need to rebound the ball. So that was, that was a lot from her.
0: Yeah, and rebounding the ball, um, you have done extremely well. One of the best offensive rebounders, in fact, in the country. So... You have your mom's influence. She played college basketball. Why did you choose Kim barnes Rico in Michigan when it was time to decide where you wanted to play your college ball?
4: Yeah, um, it's funny, um, be obviously because I'm from Ohio, going to Michigan is like a no-no. Um, but when I came on campus, I honestly just fell in love with it. Um, the school, academics, my teammates, uh, coaches, and it was just a, it was a feel for me. I mean, I had a very long list of questions and, and checkbox uh, boxes that I had during my recruiting process. My mom was huge on that, like having a whole binder of things um, to try to figure out what college I would go to. Um, but I just there was a connection once I got here. Costa um, Rico and my family have a lot of the same um, important things that i need to have into my life and she was more about just basketball but academics and you know becoming a better a better person by the end of it i knew that i wanted to go somewhere where i felt like it was a second family and michigan does that for me um especially you know thinking about these tough times of covid i mean i can't you know go go home as often as i would like to or i, ha- or I had in the past and my family can't visit as often but this has been my second family um, and they pushed me on and off the court and you know i just felt like i couldn't turn away from this opportunity
0: You have an interesting basketball makeup because you mentioned rebounding and you are a monster. You're actually the only player to rank in the top 10 nationally in scoring where you are third at 26 points per game and rebounding where you are sixth with 12 rebounds a game, but you're sixth too. And so when we look at these monster numbers and look at you finishing around the bucket, people usually think this huge girl is going to walk in. And you just have a knack when it comes to rebounding out of position, finding an angle on the glass to finish. Those are the two things I'm most curious about. Let's start with rebounding. You said your mother taught you some things. What is your mindset when it comes to getting rebounds?
4: Yeah, I would just say a lot of the times um, it's the combination of trying to get extra possessions for my team and taking away extra possessions for the other team. Um, I like to say um, I get a lot of offensive rebounds because I know the way that my teammates ball fall when they shoot it and um, I kind of use this as an excuse because one of my coaches always be like why are you just getting offensive rebounds like you need to get defensive rebounds which I've worked on a lot Um, but I would credit that to just kind of knowing you know where my where my teammate ball falls when they shoot when they shoot um, their shots but I just think a lot of it is just You know, I would like to say I have a pretty good motor um, and just trying to find every ball. I mean, um, I'd like to also credit like my wingspan, (laughs) which I feel like helps me a lot since I'm not the tallest player on the floor um, a lot of the times, but just trying to go get the ball. um, I know a lot of times, you know, it's not easy rebounding out of your area. So if I'm one person on the floor that'll go get it, um, you know, that's what I'll go and do.
0: And what exactly is that wingspan? I don't
4: know exactly what it is, but if you ask my coach, she'll say it's like seven two, which I don't oh. think it actually is, but she, like, she exaggerates it. I, I'm sorry. I don't know the exact, um, my exact wingspan.
0: Well, we will have to see if Sarah drops it into the chat for us because um, I need to know those numbers and I'm sure she may know, but you do have some pretty it, long arms. Yeah in six eight she dropped oh in, six, six eight. eight wingspan and six, two? Oh yeah that's how you're snagging those rebounds I should have known Sarah was going to be on top of it one of the best sports information communications directors in the in the country all right so your field goal percentage 64 percent, is fourth in the nation you're finishing on the glass what is it that you feel like would be the biggest accomplishment for you this season? Your team is playing phenomenal. You had that one lost Ohio State. Unfortunately, you're on a hiatus um, right now due to some COVID concerns. So we are, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone there in Michigan, but um, let's just say she does not, she's not the person that has COVID. So, but what are your aspirations this season and beyond? What do you want to accomplish?
4: Yeah, um,
0: I would say one of
4: the biggest things in the, you know, situation that we're in is to be able to finish out the season. Um, You know, we definitely are are hoping, you know, for a tournament that, you know, was taken away from us last year. But, you know, my team has really big aspirations to be Big Ten champions and, and go make a deep run into the NCAA tournament. Um, we're very excited about this team I'm very excited about this team Uh, I can't wait to get back on the floor there's just so much potential within our team and I just get so excited just thinking about it I'm sitting here watching old games of of this season just you know trying to figure out how we can get better and I'm sure my teammates are doing the same thing just because they have such a you know a a drive to be better every single day Um, but really you know accomplishing you know Trying to get to the Big Ten, uh, be a Big Ten champion, whether that's in the tournament or uh, regular season, and, and make a deep run in the in the in the tournament. We thought that we could do that last year, and we think that we have an even better chance this year.
0: Well, I enjoy watching your team play. I actually called your game against Notre Dame, and to me, you guys definitely have all the chops to be a final four team. Hopefully there is an NCAA tournament, Um, but the depth that you guys have on that team, you get Leah back. Hopefully when you guys come back out, is just tremendous. Now I mentioned queen earlier. I want to just give you a little uh, shout out because you got some love from LeBron James. And um, yes, he did call you queen called you a monster. (laughs) He said, keep going. So someone else from Ohio, like encouraging you in that way, what were your thoughts when you saw LeBron give you some love and what does that mean to you?
4: Yeah. So honestly, I didn't see it like pop up on my feet because I was getting so many notifications and I didn't really want to be on my phone during that time. Um, but my brother texted me and like, sent me a screenshot. He's like, did you see this? And I'm like, no. So like we're on our bus home from, from Ohio state. And I'm like freaking out and everybody's like, like what, what is wrong with you and I'm like LeBron just mentioned me and everybody kind of knows that I'm a big LeBron fan like I'd say I'm more of a LeBron fan than a Cavs or a Lakers fan like I'm a LeBron fan um but just like seeing him recognize me was amazing like I wouldn't have imagined that he would have even saw the numbers from our game um so it was just like it was awesome and I was living in the moment for a while when I when I saw it and trying to figure out what was the best response to him. Um, but you know, growing up, being such a huge fan of him was, was great to see him reach out.
0: Yeah, he definitely gave you some love and he is right, you are a monster. I mean, I just keep looking at all these numbers. Even you had 35 points and 22 rebounds against Nebraska. That's just ridiculous. So we're gonna um, have a couple of just some rapid fire questions for you to end, okay? Think you can handle that? Yes. <laughs> all right, so. We talked a little bit about the NBA. Who is your favorite WNBA player?
4: I have to say, Asia Wilson.
0: She's Asia Wilson. Okay, that's a good one. Who is the player you hate matching up against in in the Big Ten? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I would
4: say Kate Kane. She's a she's a shot blocker. I'm, you know obviously we talked about me being undersized. Um, she she's a, a nightmare on the on the defensive end. So. Um, for others for for me going against her so I'd say probably her what did you have for pre-game
0: meal before you hit 50 on Ohio State
4: um so it was breakfast I had breakfast so it was a, like a two pancakes eggs potatoes and bacon
0: oh it was the bacon it's always the bacon
4: and yeah, so it was great it was <laughs> you know what I agree I agree <laughs>
0: Always the bacon. What is the one thing that Coach Barnes-Rico is always saying in practice? Um, She's got
4: got a couple of things, but I would say toughness. She's like always talking about our toughness. We got to be, I mean, since we're in such a great league, tough every day in practice and games. um, So really just focusing on on our toughness every day.
0: And last but not least, we see you do your thing on the court, but off the court when you're getting dressed up and you're looking cute who is someone that you get fashion um, inspiration from.
4: Oh. I don't know if I have that um yeah I don't I don't think I have anybody like specific, I mean I guess. My brother helps me with my outfit sometimes if you want to like
0: oh, throw oh. It in there, but <laughs> Okay so brothers are good for something that's good yes. to know yes, My are. brother could not pick out my outfit if he had a lineup okay oh, like God. no not not his strong suit but that's cute sounds like you're you're close to your brother I am I am How old is he He's 25 I believe Okay what's his name Zakir Zakir All right. Shout out to Zyker. Well, that is awesome. You made it through our rapid fire questions. Got to know you a little bit better um, on and off the court. We appreciate you joining us on Around the Rim. We love you. Just know that you've got fans across the country, obviously LeBron James, but even beyond Michigan and the Big Ten, there are so many people that just love the tenacity, intensity you play with. So keep going. I know it's tough to be on this break right now, but we can't wait to see you back on the court, Nas. And congratulations on that 50 point game.
4: So thank you so much for having me.
0: Fourth quarter.
1: Out of bounds.
0: All right, basketball fans. Well, that brings to a close this week's episode of Around the Rim podcast. As always, please tweet us at Around the Rim pod with any questions, concerns, thoughts, Comments. You can also email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet me at LaChina Robinson or Tarika at She sports underscore. And make sure that you are sharing the Around the Rim Podcast with all of your friends that love women's basketball. Ask them to rate, to comment, to subscribe. The more support we get, the better for our sport. And I want to send a quick shout out. To a couple people that are happy to see Around the Rim podcast back. That's right, our ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We had uh, just Olive thirty three say it's back. Happy twenty twenty one. Love Around the Rim podcast. Beyonce is an awesome producer. That's Tarika. Always has the best guests for the best league. And Lechina is a straight up rock star. Appreciate you. And then Ep in Cali said, always a good listen. Great mix of news about WNBA, interviews, and honest, thoughtful commentary. I appreciate all the wisdom and preparation that shine through in this podcast. We appreciate you guys so much in your comments. Thank you for your support of Around the Rim. It means so much to Beyonce. I mean, Tarika and I, um, for you to leave your thoughts and engage with us. Tarika?
1: Beyonce is going to sue me for trademark infringement, I promise, messing around with Um, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. No, thank you guys so much for for your comments and your feedback. We appreciate it. And before we get out of here, I definitely want to show... Um, some love and send some prayers to our friend of the podcast, Asia Durr. Um, if you have not checked out the interview that I recently saw um, on Twitter, she is still battling the effects of COVID-19, which Um, She ended up, uh, unfortunately, being diagnosed with COVID back in June of 2020. And here it is, um, eight months later, and she's still battling the effects of that. And so we just want to send some love to her, send some prayers out to her. Um, We know she's going to come back with a vengeance, and we can't wait until she does. LaChina?
0: Yes, Asia, we are sending you our thoughts, our love, our prayers. Thank you for using your voice and speaking out on the effect that COVID-19 has had on you. We tend to think that if you are young and healthy, you know, then you'll be fine. But that's not true. I mean, not only do we know of people that have died young from COVID-19, but um, Asia is still going through a lot. So we are with you, Asia. We are praying for you to get your health back, but also hopefully to get back to doing what you love one day and playing the game of basketball. We appreciate you. And we're thinking of you.
1: Absolutely. And with that fans, we will talk to you guys next week.
3: Thank you for listening to around the rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.